Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. We love our community and we want to show the love of Christ tangibly in our neighborhoods, workplaces, and homes. This summer, we will discover how serving can make a difference in our community, how serving makes an impact for God and grows our faith in a series called Why I Serve. We would love to hear from you and how God is using this message to give you new perspective and hope. Email your story to church at rockbrook.org. Hey, have you noticed that God likes variety? I mean, you just get to look at one person. You ought to see it from here, baby. This is amazing. I mean, it's, it's, no two human beings are alike. It's just absolutely amazing the variety that we have. You are not one in a million. You are one in seven billion. And God, even identical twins aren't exactly alike. God makes every person uh, unique. Now, God could have made us all alike. He could have created just a cookie-cutter assembly line process that cranked out human beings. Genesis 2 tells us that's not how he did it. In fact, it says God shaped man, shaped him from the soil of the ground, and he blew the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living being. Circle that word shaped. God shaped Adam. He shaped Eve. He shaped you and me. Psalm 139 says, nobody's like you. God custom shaped you. Look at that. I love this passage. You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's womb. I praise you because you made me an amazing and wonderful way. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. How amazing is that? I mean, before you were born, before I was born, God shaped me, made me, formed me, put me together. God planned every day of my life. There may be accidental parents, but there are no accidental kids. There may be illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate kids. You are not an accident. God wanted you to be born. And it doesn't matter whether your parents were good, bad, or indifferent. Whatever your situation, God chose them to be your parents because those two people had the exact DNA that would make you to be you. God was more interested in creating you than he was in their parenting skills. And God wanted to create you. You're not an accident. The Bible says your hands formed and shaped me. God handcrafted you. You didn't come off an assembly line. No, God was intricately, intimately involved in creating you. And after God created you, he broke the mold. There's nobody else like you. Nobody else will ever be like you. And when you get to heaven, God won't say, why weren't you more like your brother? He won't say, why were you more like him? Why weren't you more like her? He'll say, did you become the person, the man, the woman that I created you to be? No other person on earth has your thumbprint, your eye print, your voice print, your heartbeat, your footprint. You are unique. The problem is most people don't accept themselves. Most people say, I wish I were taller, I wish I were shorter, I wish I were thinner, I wish I had red hair, or brown hair, black hair, more hair, some hair. Okay? <laughs> wish I had different skin color. I, I, wish, I don't like my nose, I don't like my teeth. Why couldn't I be like him or like her? Most people start off as an original and then try to become a carbon copy. But if you're going to be you, if you're not going to be you, then who's going to be you? You know, the, the, somebody else has already taken up that spot. 
And if you're here, it means that God has something that you can contribute that no one else can. No one else can. Only you can be you. Now, for over 20 years at Rockbrook, we've been using an acrostic called SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, to describe the five things that make you, you. Now, SHAPE, don't get nervous, SHAPE is not a fitness or weight loss program, okay? (laughs) SHAPE is the way God wired you up for your ministry and mission in life. And every part of your life is influenced by the way you're shaped. Your shape determines what classes you ought to take in school and what classes you ought to avoid. Some of us spend a lot of time and money in classes we weren't shaped for. Okay? Your shape determines what kind of friends you ought to have. Your shape determines the type of person you ought to marry. The, the more you understand about your shape and their shape, the more you find the right person to marry. Your shape determines the temptations that you need to be prepared for. You're tempted by things that I'm not tempted by. I'm tempted by things that don't tempt you. Why? Because we're shaped differently. Your shape determines why certain things frustrate you and don't bother somebody else. Your shape determines the best career, the best work environment for you. Your shape determines the best ministry for you. Your shape determines where you will succeed, where you will find fulfillment and satisfaction. God says that we were shaped, we were made to make a difference, a kingdom difference. And the way you find out what that kingdom difference is that you need to make is by discovering your shape. Now, the essence shape, on your notes, the essence shape stands for spiritual gifts. There are over 20 spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. And the Bible teaches that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of the things that happens is God gives you a spiritual gift. Every believer, every person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ receives a spiritual gift, at least one, from God. And that spiritual gift is given to you so that you're able to fulfill the life purpose that God planned for you before you were even born. The H in shape stands for heart or passion. You know, the question is, what are you passionate about? What turns your crank? What fires you up? What puts a quiver in your liver? You know, some people love to work with babies. Some love to work with kids, teens, adults, seniors. Some people have a passion for the hurting. Some have a passion to help people grow spiritually. Some have a passion for hospitality. Some have a passion for helping people find financial freedom. I mean, they've just got different hearts that beat for ministry. The A in shape stands for ability. Ability. The average person has over 600 abilities. And you guys are way above average. Okay? So you have abilities that God has given you that you don't even know you've got until you discover them. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, you need to find the abilities that he's given you and then put them to use for his glory. The problem is too many people use their abilities for themselves rather than for the God who gave them that ability. P in shape stands for personality. We all navigate life differently. Some of us are competitive, some are cooperative, some are extroverts, some introverts, some love variety, others love routine, some are dreamers, some detailers. How God wired up your personality helps to determine your purpose. I've learned you don't take a shy introvert who, who likes to work alone and make them a greeter. Okay? I mean, you don't want people standing at the wall going, hi, how are you? you know, yeah. 
You don't do that. You don't take an extrovert who loves to be around people and put them in a closet stuffing envelopes. You don't do that. Your personality is part of your shape, and it determines your ministry. Uh, the E in shape stands for experiences. And God uses educational experiences, vocational experiences, spiritual experiences, painful experiences. The way you were brought up, what you've experienced in life is part of your shape. And whether you were raised in the Beaver Cleaver household or raised by the Munsters, God can use it, whether it's positive or painful. And what's amazing is, is that your most powerful ministry will probably come out of the area of your greatest pain. Your greatest hurt. God never wastes a hurt. And so the challenge for us is, is to say, well, God, what is that thing in my past that I wish never would have happened? And God invites us to bring that out and use it in ministry for his glory. Spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, experience. Those are the five things that make you, you. You are special, you are unique, nobody else is like you. And if you don't be you, there is a hole in God's glory. That's why this is important. That's why I should care about my shape. Let me give you four, four solid reasons here. Number one, because my shape reveals God's purpose for me. The way you find out what God wants you to do with your life is you discover how he shaped you. And the better you understand your shape, the clearer it will be what God wants you to do in life. Architects have a principle uh, that says form follows function. You tell me what, what function you, the, the building is to have, and I'll tell you what form it ought to take. Form follows function. If the function is a church, I'll form it one way. If the function is a restaurant, I'll form it another way. If the function is a factory, I'll form it another way. Form follows function in architecture. Human beings, exactly the opposite. In human beings, function follows form. If I figure out how God shaped me, how God formed me, then I'll know what my function is to be. I figure out how he put me together, then I'll know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Because God is not going to give you a specific shape and then say, ignore all that, go over here and do something you don't like to do and you're not good at. It's not what he's going to do. No, if, you, if you're good at it, you love to do it, if you have the ability to do it, if you're gifted, that's what God wants you to do. God told Jeremiah, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Circle that phrase, holy plans, because God has holy plans for you. He said, a spokesman for the nation, that's what I had in mind for you. And God has something in mind for you. He's got something in mind for you. But here's the deal. God will not force you to do it. He won't force you to do it. In fact, God gives you the freedom. God gives you the freedom to waste your life. And God also gives you the responsibility to discover and deploy your shape. I mean, tragically, most people miss it. Most Christians miss it. They're not doing what God made them to do. But God says, before you were born, I had holy plans for you, and I shaped you in a certain way why we got to care about it second reason is because my shape equips me to serve him 
Isaiah 49, God formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, and he commissioned me. And folks, God has a mission that he has commissioned you to do. He does. He shaped you to serve him through your life mission, through your ministry. And there's nobody else on the planet that can do what you can do. And maybe you've missed it. Maybe, maybe you missed out on serving God. Then let's start today. Let's not waste one more day of your life going forward. Let's find and fulfill your mission that God has for you. Third reason I should care about my shape is because life is a test. Life is a test. Uh, You've got to know your shape. This, this life is preparation for eternity. You spend 80, 90 years here, you're going to spend eternity on the other side. And God says that this life is a test. God is testing you to see what you do with what he's given you here in order to determine what he can give you on the other side. What you will do in heaven for eternity is determined by what you do here and now. And one day you're going to stand before God and God's going to ask you two questions. And the first question that God's going to ask you is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? I sent him to earth. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. Did you accept the forgiveness, the salvation, the ticket to heaven that Jesus Christ offered you? And the answer to that question determines your destination. If you say, yes, I accepted Jesus Christ, then God says, come on into heaven. If you say, you know, I didn't. I didn't really get that Jesus thing. I didn't think it was true, and I didn't really have any interest in him and what was going on, and... I chose to live life for myself, did the best I could. Wrong answer. And your destination's hell. Okay? That's the salvation question. You've got to be prepared to answer that. But there's a second question that God's going to ask. And the question is, what did you do with what I gave you? It's not about destination, it's about destiny. It, it doesn't determine if you get into heaven or not. It determines what you do in heaven what your rewards, your roles, your responsibilities are there. It's not about destination, it's about destiny. And Jesus talks about this over and over and over again, that your rewards in heaven, your role in heaven, the responsibilities you have in heaven will be based on what you do with what you've been given here. What did you do with the spiritual gifts? What did you do with the passion? What did you do with your abilities? What did you do with your personality? What did you do with the experiences that I gave you? Did you use them on yourself? Or did you use them to accomplish the purpose that I made you for? Psalm 33 says, From where he sets, God overlooks all of us on earth. He has shaped each person in turn, and now he watches everything we do. God shaped you, and now he's watching everything you do. Jesus said, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, and that includes the way he shaped you, says if you're not trustworthy with that, who's going to trust you with true spiritual riches? True spiritual riches that go on forever and ever in eternity. It's important that you know your shape because it's a test. Next, number four i got to care about my shape because my shape shows God's glory. Your life is not about you. Your life is about the glory of God. Now, when you do what God shaped you to do, yeah, you feel good. But God also feels good too. 
It makes God smile. God sees a guy using the spiritual gifts that he's given him for his glory. God says, hey, I made that guy. I gave him those gifts. I gave him that ability to, to be a greeter, to lead a small group, to, to be hospitable. I wired him up to teach those kids. And he's doing it. He's doing what I made him to do. That's my boy. God looks down, sees that woman. He says, I made her to do that. I gave her that gift of administration. I gave her the ability to organize that ministry. I gave her the, the life experience so she could pull that off for my glory. And she's doing it. And at a girl. It makes him smile when we fulfill our shape. Everything you have in your life is a gift from God. Everything. And every gift can be used, misused, or abused. Or even just neglected. Now when you use the gift, it brings honor to God. When you misuse or abuse or even neglect the gifts, it dishonors God. That's what's wrong with this stuff. You know, that, that, that's the problem. You know, sex. Sex is a great gift from God. And when we use it the right way to create intimacy and connection between a husband and a wife, God goes, that's it. That's what I made him to do. And it brings him glory. But when it's misused and abused, it dishonors God. Money. You know, God gives us money. To, and and it brings honor to God when it's used wisely. But when it's misused and abused, it dishonors God. That's why it's a problem. Talent. Talent can be used or it can be misused and abused. And when it's used for the glory of God, it honors Him. But when we misuse our talent and abuse our talent, it dishonors God. That's the problem. Everything in life is a gift from God, and it can be used or misused. And God says, I'm testing you. I'm watching you to see what you do with everything I've given you. And there are eternal consequences for everything you do. And when people discover and deploy their shape to bring glory to God, it, it's wonderful. It, 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 it works. But the problem is we, we don't think like God. And, and, and we have a tendency to think, well, you know, only the really bright, only the, the really beautiful people are important. And somebody just like me, you know, my role's not very important. It doesn't even matter if it happens, and I don't really have any ability. And, you know, where in the Bible does it say that, that God loves some people more than others? Where in the Bible does it say that some, you know, important people have more value than other people? It doesn't say that anywhere. Nowhere. Isaiah 43 says, Bring me all the people who are mine, whom I made for my glory, those I formed and created. You are made, formed, and created for God's glory. Now why am I belaboring this point? Because today there, there's a whole group of people out there who are saying that the only people that amount in life are the elite, the really smart, really beautiful, really successful athletic people. Those people matter and the rest of us are just out of luck. That's what our society says. And they question the value. They, they question the value of older folks in the nursing home. They say, well, they're not making any contribution to society. Why, why don't we just euthanize them and get them on out of here? Well, have you ever thought that, that God wants them alive just to love them? They're alive not to give anything back to society. They're, they're alive to teach us to love unconditionally. God says he loves them. God says he numbered their days even before they were born. They'll die when he wants them in heaven. We don't get to short circuit that process. 
God wants them here. He has a purpose for them here. Maybe the purpose is just for him to love them. Maybe the purpose is for us to learn to love them like God does, to learn to value human life. You know, what about people laying in a hospital in a vegetative state? God love that person any less? No. Does God have a plan for their life? Yes. You know, why don't we just pull the plug on that person? Quality of life. You know, maybe it's time for them just to move on. No. You know, maybe God wants them alive just to love them. Maybe he wants them alive to teach us unselfishness and to love them. All life is sacred. Yet today, young couples are expecting, they may hear, you know, we we think the baby may have a birth defect, so maybe you should consider an alternative. Maybe we ought to to abort that baby. We don't want any, any babies with defects. You know, if everybody who had a defect was aborted, you would have been aborted. Because we all got defects. And we all have emotional handicaps. I mean, you have fears you wouldn't even tell your wife about. You all have mental handicaps. You know, we're, we're not all as smart as everybody else. You have physical handicaps. Not everything in your body works the way it's supposed to. We all have defects and problems. Who makes the decision that your defect isn't big enough to get rid of you? Family who has a special needs child, do they love that child less? No, they love that child more, more. The Bible says God loves the weak, the infirm, the needy, and we need them in our lives in order to learn to love like God loves. We've got to protect the sanctity of life from the unborn to the elderly because you are valuable no matter who you are or what you are or what condition you're in. Do you know the Bible tells us that God accepts the responsibility for our genetic defects? Not the, not the problems we bring on ourselves by overwork or overeating or smoking or drinking or whatever we do. But the genetic weaknesses that you didn't have any choice in, you just inherited them. God says, I'm responsible for those. Exodus 4.11, he's talking to Moses. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God says, that's the way I made them. I mean, does God love the blind person any less than somebody who can see? No. And God accepts the responsibility because God knows things you don't know. And God can see stuff that you can't see. And God loves each person as much as every other person regardless. And so the question is, what are you doing with what you've been given? Because God isn't going to compare you to anybody else. God is going to compare you to the potential that he gave you. How did you use what you've been given? So three ways I need to respond to my shape. Number one. First step is acceptance. Acceptance means that I believe that when God made me, he knew what he was doing. Do I believe that God made a mistake when he made me, or do I trust that he has a plan for my life just the way he made me? You know, when when you say things like, God, you know, there there are things I don't like about me. I wish I had a different color of hair, different color of skin. I wish I was taller, shorter, fatter, skinnier, had more talent. Wish I looked like him. Wish I was as smart as her. When you're saying that, you're saying, God, you goofed. You goofed when you made me. And when you reject yourself, you are rejecting God because he's your creator. 
You don't accept yourself. It's rebellion against God. It's saying, God, I know better than you how you should have made me. And God says, no, 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 no. I made you with your weaknesses and with your strengths. I made you just the way I wanted you to be so you could do what I wanted you to do. I mean, it's, it's really arrogant to reject yourself. Romans 9 says, my friend, I ask, who do you think you are to question God? Does the clay have the right to ask the potter why he shaped it the way he did? And the answer is, of course not. God's the potter, I'm the clay. And whenever we doubt God's love and doubt God's wisdom, we get into trouble. And what happens as a result is, is there is a spirit of bitterness that begins to develop in you that keeps you frustrated and it actually keeps you from becoming the man, the woman that God made you to be. You know, you guided my conception, formed me in the womb. I mean, remember, your parents chose the sex, but God chose the conception. You know, he wanted you alive, so that conception happened. And he wants you and he loves you the way you are. Second thing, second response is salvation. Let your love, God, shape my life with salvation exactly as you promised. And no matter what the situation has been in your life experience, no matter what cards you've been dealt, even the most desperate, most tragic situations, form the basis for the good that God can bring out of our lives. That's the amazing thing about God. God has the ability to bring good out of bad. I mean, anybody can bring bad out of good. devil does it all the time. I do it all the time, okay? You know, bringing bad out of good, that one's not hard. Bringing good out of bad, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. And you are loved by God, and the cross proves it. Jesus Christ died for you. God made you, God saved you, and God has a plan for you. And he wants you to fulfill the purpose you were shaped for here on earth in this life and for eternity in heaven. And that can't happen apart from salvation. That's why it's imperative that you accept Jesus Christ because that's how that eternity peace happens. Third thing. In response to my shape, I need, I need to refocus on what's inside rather than what's on outside. Our society is obsessed with outward appearance. I mean, you see it in TVs, movies, magazines, newspapers. People spend millions, millions of dollars to work on the outside. But they don't spend any time on the inside. And it's, it, it's the inside that's eternal, not the external. Look at 1 Samuel 16. The Lord does not look at things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's why God wants you to take the time, put forth the effort to discover your shape. Because it's all that stuff inside of you that determines what God wants you to do with your life. Now you need to understand that this is a spiritual battle. This is, this is a huge deal. This is a spiritual battle. Satan is doing everything he can to keep you from using your shape. He is demeaning you. He is distracting you. He's diverting you. He's doing everything he can to derail you from discovering and deploying your shape. 
Because if he can keep you from discovering and deploying your shape, he can rob you of your rewards in heaven, and he can rob God of his glory. You know, once you've trusted in Christ, there's nothing he can do to keep you from going to heaven. And so from that day on, the, the mission shifts. The mission shifts to keep you from doing what God made you to do because it robs you of your reward and it robs God of his glory. And so discovering and deploying your shape in ministry is extremely important. After salvation, it's the single most important thing you can do in your life. But let me give you a little secret. It's not easy. It's shape, not snap. Okay? I mean, it's not easy. It's not just a matter of you filling in some blanks. Oh, my spiritual gift is this, and my heart, oh, I love to do this, and I have this ability, and my personality, I'm bubbly, you know, my life experience, you know, I do that. No, it's not, it's not that easy. I can tell you, it took me 40 years to work this out because it's hard. It's a spiritual struggle. It's a spiritual battle. And understanding and employing your shape in ministry is more complex than you know. That's why most people never do it, because it's not easy. But let me tell you what I learned in my journey and discovering my shape is the best way to do it is through the local church. That's why God gave you the shape that he gave you. This isn't about your career. It's not even about how you relate in your family. This is so you can fulfill your part in the local church. That's why he gave you this, your shape. You know, you have a jigsaw puzzle. I like to do jigsaw puzzles. And, and what happens when you do a jigsaw puzzle and you get done and you got one piece that's missing? Well, I don't know what you do. I freak out. Okay? I look for the missing piece. And I mean, I look for the sofa cushions. I'm looking for the missing piece. Why? Because when somebody comes over and looks at the puzzle, they don't see the 999 pieces that you've put together. What do they see? Uh, you're missing the piece. Yeah, like, I don't know that. I've been looking for it for three days. Okay? I got a missing piece. Same thing happens in the church. You know, the value of the piece is not in its shape. You know, oh, there's a little railroad station. There's a little bunch of baggage and some stuff and some flowers. And, oh, look at that nice shape. It's got a nod here and a notch here. And, oh, wow, look at the shape of this. No, the value of the piece is when you put it into the puzzle. And the same thing is true with you. Your value is unleashed when you're placed into the ministry in the local church, placed into the life mission that God created you for. And if you're not plugged in to that place, then you're just, a, you're just pieces scattered all over the table. You may be a lost piece. And as a pastor, God has challenged me to find the pieces, put them in the puzzle, and make it fit. Why? Because when we do that, it brings glory to God. We get rewards, roles, and responsibilities in heaven. This stuff matters. That's why here at Rockbrook, we beg with you, plead with you, encourage you. Go through growth track. We'll help you discover your shape. Get plugged into a small group where you can use your shape. Get onto a dream team where you can be involved in ministry. Why? Because you were made for this. And God will reward you for it. And the devil is doing everything he can to keep you from doing it. Because he wants to rob you of your rewards and he wants to cheat God out of his glory. And that ain't happening on my watch. It's not happening here. So we've got a system. 
And we've got a way to do this. And if you'll get plugged in, we'll bring glory to God. We'll stand there in heaven and be, woohoo! I mean, you cannot imagine what's in store for us. And God has made you for this. Let's pray. Father, there may, there may be people here today who've just never really accepted themselves. And they bought into the lie that there are parts of their life that don't have value, that don't have meaning, that aren't of use. And God, they've rejected themselves as a result, but in reality, they're rejecting you. And so God, I pray today that we would just come to understand how much you love us. And the fact that you, you made us to be us, to be original, not carbon copies. And so, God, we want to take the steps of healing right now. I invite you just to pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, God, I'm sorry I haven't accepted myself. I realize now that that means that I have rejected your creation and I ask you to forgive me. God, I believe you made me. You made me for a purpose. And you love me and I have worth and I have value and I accept the love you have for me. And God, today I receive the commission that you, give, that you give me. God, I want to discover my shape, and I want to deploy it in ministry for the glory of God. And so that on that day, I can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You used what I gave you, and you became what I wanted you to be. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I invite you just to say, Christ, I, I accept you into my life I accept your love, your forgiveness, the salvation, the hope of heaven that you offer me. Help me to discover and develop the gifts that you give me because I want to serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.